right, well, hello and welcome. This is Tales from the Secret Cabin. Once again, my name is Phil, and uh, yeah, glad to be here. Um, as always, who do we have uh, partying with us today? Jenny's here. Great to see you, Jenny. Female voice and perspective. <laughs> I hate that you say that. Why? It's important. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just see you as someone who's so much bigger than that. Oh, no, know, so. that is big. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> kind of right? I just so much bigger <laughs> than that. So. Really? Yeah, I'm the. I don't know. Yeah, oh. I don't know. So well, for all the the females listening, they'll go in. They are cheering you. Yeah. On. Here's 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 the place I'm coming from with that. Out of anyone who's here, from the people I talk to who who tune into this podcast, they always bring up Jenny. They bring up Jenny from. I appreciated her perspective. I appreciated yeah. Jenny's advice. Nice. I what Aww. she's going through. Jenny, Thanks, Jenny, everybody. Jenny, and so it's so much more than just. Yeah this that uh that that like pigeonholed perspective mm. i mean like people adore you so that's what you Thanks. know that. yep and i am <laughs> you're not just kj <laughs> kj tenza and uh um i today am someone um who i almost feel like i'm a bit of a spectator today i'm an observer um i sit in hopeful expectation but that's how I feel. Like I am, I'm here, and I'm being present. And I'm Dudley. I'm the new kid on the block. So I, uh, when people ask me, like, who are you? I always like to begin with a poem from Emily Dickinson. I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. Don't tell. They'd advertise you know. How dreary to be somebody. How public, like the frog. To tell one's name the live long June to an admiring bog. So, um, I kind of like poetry. Uh, that's one thing I would say that um, comes to my mind. And I like books. I have a whole lot of books in my library. And if you'd ever like to come see them, I'd be happy to show them to you. I'm really trying to get rid of some, but it's kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> They're my friends. They're also my friends. So, uh, I like... Um, I. I, I I like languages, and I like to travel, and I like to hunt, especially if I get a hunt with KJ, and uh, that's always a, a really wonderful experience for me. So that's a couple things about me. Um, anything else? I'm married, and I have two kids, and they're a lot of fun. All right, so, so Delia, I'm, I'm so, so excited that you are here, um, and so if I had to personify who who he is for everyone who cannot see him um the the type of person dudley oh man um he 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 would be like that african hunter who has the the <laughs> accent and the expensive clothes and the big bazooka gun um that's who he is to me like he <laughs> he kind of holds that posture of the the old school african i was hunter. thinking of the really big expanders but that's not where you're no, going no 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 and I'm, I'm not sure about... i like the idea of the bazooka to be <laughs> no, honest like the big bazooka guns and um he is the hunting expert like he is um he is brilliant and kind and adventurous plus um he has um some serious uh he can hike he is a hiker oh yes um, i he, forgot to yeah. mention that so I um, am now working on doing 14ers in Colorado. There are 58 um, 
peaks that are more than 14,000 14, feet. I'm at 33 now. I did 14 this past summer. So I'm looking forward to the summer so I can hike a few more 14ers and maybe one or two of you or maybe a listener would like to join me and I would be happy. <laughs> and then you'll give them books. <laughs> ah, yes. Well, as you mentioned, um, what comes to your mind and you say this African hunter, there are actually two characters in history that I just love. Okay. And one of them is the, um, the hero of the book, The Pathfinder by James Fenimore Cooper. He also wrote the, um, about Hawkeye. Mm, the last of the Mohicans. Oh. He wrote The Last of the Mohicans. I will find that, you. Yes. <laughs> no matter exactly. where you go. Exactly. And that's that it. Soundtrack. Still one of the yeah, soundtracks. The movie. Yeah, absolutely. The movie is extraordinary, but in The Last of I the Mohicans, Hawkeye, who is the Pathfinder, is constantly taking people from the known world to the unknown world. He's like this this guide, this pathfinder who wants to introduce people to something new. And I have thought about my life in that kind of a term. I want to take people from here to there and however I can do that. So when I travel and I have opportunities to do some teaching uh, around the world, I love it when a new person comes because I get to introduce, and introduce them to something new. And that brings me to my second favorite character is Kit Carson. Kit Carson, you know, this, this mountain man who hunted and trapped and was basically illiterate, but he spoke four languages. And I think that's really cool. A guy like that who can speak four different languages, and I, I like languages anyway, so... So, um, all right, so you've given us a ton to unpack there, and I want to oh, yes. go down a lot of different roads. <laughs> uh, but first thing, just before we miss the moment, I uh, would love to hear your stories about the Seeker Cabin. So you've been here before, you haven't been here before? I, I was here, um, I've been here a couple times, okay. actually. One time was a wonderful introduction with KJ when we just sat and... We talked. On your birthday, man. That's it was right. Your birthday. It was my birthday. Right. He celebrated me on I my birthday. I saw on yeah. Facebook that it was Dudley's birthday. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to invite Dudley to the secret cabin. And he and I are going to sit in front of the fireplace. I think it was my double nickel birthday when I turned 55. <laughs> so now you know how old I am, everyone. I'm 57 right now. But uh, that was a couple years ago when I started to really get to know KJ. So, yeah, that was an amazing evening here with him. And then another time or two, just like in passing when we're getting ready for a hunting excursion. So what, what is the cabin, when you, when you think about it or being here in this moment, like what stands out to you? What, what are you experiencing even right now that again, maybe somebody listening just hasn't seen it or heard it? The atmosphere in here is um, energetic and at the same time, it's, it, it's calming. It just, it just draws you in like you just want to stay here and you want to pull out a sleeping bag and sleep here and and get the fire going and enjoy something to drink and enjoy the company of other people. That's what I think of in this place. Very nice. Uh, all right, I got to ask you. Yes. So I want to play just a very short game here. It's going to be a game of uh, uh, I Spy. Um, <laughs> I Spy something in the secret cabin that you found. Tell me the thing it is. It is um, uh, a skull of a caribou which is over here okay. on my left. Okay. And uh, KJ and I went to uh, on this amazing adventure to Adak Island, which is like the almost the last island of the Aleutians. Um, 
in Alaska. I still need help. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I think is this that is on this up. planet? <laughs> geography, right? we, we, we flew to Anchorage and then we had another three and a half hour flight from Anchorage West. We were really close to Russia, to Siberia. And on that hunting trip, um, uh, we found this skull, a caribou skull. And in fact, we found a couple of them, and I have one in my office, and he has one in his cabin. Mm. And it's so much cooler in a cabin than in an office. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> nice. So, okay, what um, I'm curious now, having an experience like that, and you've done hunting with KJ before, but obviously there's kind of a, a new level of that kind of experience. Can you think back to something that happened that with KJ specifically that you're like, here's a story I can tell on KJ relative to that hunting trip? Uh, that I can tell on KJ? Well, yeah. I mean, and well, again, this is generally family friendly, so you want right. you know, yeah, to keep it Yeah, and it's going out to the public right. people. But is there, is there something that, because again, not all of us get that kind of experience in terms of just hanging oh. out with KJ in the in the wild and hunting and that kind of thing. So what, what tell us about that KJ real quick. Well, you have to realize KJ is tough. I mean, when we were on a- Adak Island and it's, raining and it's wet and it's soppy and uh, we have to cross this little teeny tiny the stream but it's kind of a wide stream and I'm going back and forth from side to side trying to figure out how I'm going to get across this little stream because I'm going to find a place to jump across. And then I turn around and KJ just walked right through it. And I thought, <laughs> man, he is tough just to walk through the stream because now we're already, you know, like three miles from camp and he's going to have wet, sopping boots and cold feet. But he managed because he's tough. Wow. Very there, fun. There you go. There we go. All right, and then you quickly, you know, went through this. Oh, I love to hike. I'm hiking all the 14ers. I did 13 last year. Is that 14, you just said? 14, 14 last year. Yes. How many do you have planned this year? Well, that's a good. Um, How many do you want? To really do? good question. So if I have 25 left to do, <laughs> and I'm 57, I kind of wanted to do them by the time I, before I turn 60. So I have three summers available. So that's about eight a summer. That's okay. not bad. Wow. So that's kind of my plan. <laughs> Is there, you got that. Is there one left that you're just either dreading or you're looking at saying, wow, that's, that's, the, that's the toughest one. I'm going to wait and do that one later. I'm going to tackle mm. it first because I'm going to get that out of the way. Well, like, what's the, uh, there are two that okay. I'm kind of a little concerned about. And one of them I was supposed to do last summer, but the fires in the western Colorado closed the roads. And so our four-hour drive would have become a seven-hour drive. So we didn't do it. Um, and that's um, Capitol Peak over by Aspen. And there is some really significant, like, um, drop-offs on, uh, on the knife edge, which you have to go across. It's a narrow, literally like a knife. Some people are, are able just to walk across, but a lot of people just scoot across on their butt. So that's one that I'm a little bit concerned about. The other was Little Bear. So you have to go up the the hourglass of Little Bear, and the, it's notorious for rock falling. And um, so those are the two that kind of concern me. All right. Yeah, wow. yeah. going back to the island, yeah. do you remember that time um, going down that path and there was the drop-off yeah. and the breeze was blowing like... Oh, it was so and, windy. And you had to hold on to like 
tufts of grass and hope you didn't fall off the edge of the cliff. I mean, oh, I remember it. Oh, I was just thinking about that. My heart started, like my pulse started going out. Is that yeah, was terrifying. There was a lake down below. Yep. So if you slipped and you went down, you were going to be dead in cold, icy water. Yeah, that was a mess. Ooh. Guys, okay. here we this go. This is like, <laughs> Phil, I'm starting to think like my adventures in Netflix aren't, you know, <laughs> living up to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Netflix is good, <laughs> but oh, I hope Dudley. to be on it someday. <laughs> yeah. Dudley and I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go. The meat eater Thanks is on there. Uh, we like the meat eater yeah. um, with Steve Ranella. So that's on there. Dudley, I remember we were at a, a staff retreat up at the YMCA, remember? And it was so cold. Do you guys Ooh, remember that? And it, the wind was, was windy, horrible. Yeah. And, it was and we snowing. had like, yeah, we had like two hours or so. Yeah, it was snowing. We had two hours of, you know, time to yourself, whatever you want to do. And like, I went and took a nap and Dudley's like, I'm going for a run. And you went out in that wretched weather and, was and you were so happy you were so <laughs> like yeah went for this run it was so good it was so beautiful and i'm like oh that's oh. wonderful that sounds awful <laughs> but i love well, how thanks how uh just optimistic you are in those so it's funny that you say kj's really tough but i think you're very tough as well and yeah. you're very courageous. i would say hand down hands down he is a lot tougher than me. I mean, I feel totally, to get home. I am so comfortable saying that. Like oh. he, he, yeah, man, easy. All right, Phil, take it away. Yeah, well, go, no, Phil. I, again, there's so much fun. here to unpack. I, you breezed over this comment where you said, I like languages. Sure. You have an incredible uh, story in terms of just your life and where you've been in different places. Tell us a little bit about that. Just, um, not just your love for languages, but you know, we were doing mic checks earlier and you rolled out like three languages, just counting down right. different things. But what, what's some of that background there too, in terms of cultures and languages? And sure. So when I was like in high school and like most people, I took Spanish and I really liked it. And uh, then I had an opportunity in college to go like on a mission trip to Latin America and it really helped my Spanish and I was like conversational and I met these amazing people and um, as a student then at the university I was getting to know international students and then after I graduated from CSU I, I moved to Romania where under communism it was still a communist country at the time and so I, then I learned Romanian and my wife is from Romania in fact, even this morning, I got um, some text messages from Romania. So it's Spanish and Romanian. I, I, I like both of those languages. My Romanian is very good. Uh, my Spanish is conversational, and I would like to improve it, but it's... Wasn't yeah. there a wedding recently you were asked to do? Oh, yes. So It was in Romanian? I did a Romanian wedding a year ago, and in fact, uh, two weeks ago, I did a funeral, and... Can you imagine the person who passed away was actually born in Yugoslavia, but he grew up on the Romanian-Yugoslavian border, and they wanted some of the funeral to be done in Romanian. So I did that funeral. I had done this woman's um, uh, mother's funeral a year ago. So then when her father passed away, she asked me again to come to the funeral. So I did that. Okay. What's, what do you and your wife normally speak at home? Um, well, are they happy or are they say, angry? <laughs> are they That's angry a good question. Yeah. So, are you what, arguing? Or? What's what the I, context? Yeah. 
when if we're arguing, then it's everybody in their own language. Yes. And what is real? Ooh, I love it, that. I want to hear that. But someday. if she argues Turn on your phone and with call me, me in English, <laughs> I can get her really mad if I correct her English. Oh, yeah, so. you're the type of guy who would you do would. that. Like I she is, is sharing. She's angry, and she, and then it's like, well, actually, <laughs> yeah. Right. Here's how say it like this. So I try not to do that, but that was early on. <laughs> No, no, you've, not learned, you've learned. I've learned. I've <laughs> learned <to>. exactly. <laughs> so oh, that's so good. That's fabulous. All right, yeah, and, there, and again, I just again thinking through yeah. the stuff here. I could go through a lot of different parts sure. there because I'm just so sure. fascinated by your story and and the different things there. But one thing you said that I do want to at least have you unpack a little bit was, you know, I might say a little differently, so correct me. But you basically said I love helping people go from wherever they're at to wherever they're trying to go. And so I'm thinking mm. through your story and I'm thinking, man, how did Romania impact that desire? How did your love for poetry impact that desire? How did mm-hmm. hiking and, and uh, hunting and going around the world and, and all the different things that, that are playing? I mean, you didn't even get into the scholar side of you and mm-hmm. love to call you Dr. Brown because you are Dr. Brown. Like there's this incredible journey that you want, but at the end of the day, there's this heartbeat to help people go from wherever they're at to where they're going. How does that come exactly. into to play today versus maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago? So uh, today, and kind of in contrast to 10 or 20 years ago, but it's all a trajectory. It's all, everything that I've done in my life really has this trajectory of moving forward. Um, so I think of like um, helping people grow in their, their faith journey, moving them along in their relationship with God, that's really important to me. Um, helping people learn how to read or to study the Bible, that's, that's part of that too. So uh, a large bit of the context is in a person's journey with, with God, helping them to grow in their, their knowledge of God and their relationship with God. But it's also simply who I am. Um, and so there's this trajectory of wanting to teach people, like teach my kids, uh, you know, how to ride a bike. I mean, I loved that. Um, I'm fortunate to direct a, a training program for pastors. And a, a few uh, years ago, someone met with me and said, well, I'm not a pastor and I, 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 I would like to help, but I don't know how to help. And I said, well, are you a teacher? And he said, well, I never really have any opportunities to teach. And I, and I said, but, but do you love to teach? And he said, well, I don't know. I never really have any opportunities to teach. And I said, if, if, even if I don't have opportunities to teach, I want to help people to learn something new, whether it's learning how to ride a bike or learning how to conjugate a verb in Spanish. I want to help somebody get from one place to another. So it's a whole journey that encompasses all of life. Uh, so, you know, I kind of have in the back of my mind, are there some young boys or girls really for that matter who'd like to learn to hunt you know it's like yeah helping them to learn to hunt or taking them on a 14er that's part of what i'm thinking of nice all right so then a question for all of us and obviously you're included but what what would be something new that you're learning right now that is helping you move forward or the inverse of that question is is there anywhere in your life that you're stuck and you, you want to move forward in faith-wise or learning-wise or whatever? What resonates no, that's, there? that's a really good question. Um, so I'm an inveterate learner. I'm always wanting to learn something new. 
So we I'm sat- googling inveterate. E- excuse me. A thesaurus, yeah. please. Yes. <laughs> Siri, <what is> <laughs> so um, recently on Netflix, yes. there was this show called um, The Queen's Gambit. Yes. So my son wonderful. has really gotten into chess. So now I'm learning about chess, and he and my wife will sit down and play, and I'm not ever sitting down to play chess because I could never play with at their caliber. I mean, they're really good. Mm-hmm. So, but just watching them and then finding out about principles of chess. Um, my son was really interested in chess long before Queen's Gambit even showed up. But just watching that and learning about all these chess players and, and who they are, that's something new that I'm learning. So I have someone who is a great chess player. Like he is a competitive Ooh, wow. chess player. And it's someone that you already know. It's Cliff. Um, oh, really? He is like a highly competitive. Wow. He he, yeah. Like he's a competitive chess player. I think that'd be cool to see the two of you play together. Well, yeah, but I'm not really playing chess. I know. I, I just want to see him crush to... you because of how brilliant you are. Oh, It'd be really I, cool to see that happen. It's such a strategic game. I know. And I'm surprised I, you don't play it. Actually. Well, I I, I played you it when are I was actually a little playing kid. chess every day and all the things you're doing. <laughs> Moving pieces, Moving from the pieces. To there. It's who you are. Yeah, that's kind of true in a way. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that. That's a nice metaphor. Everything is. I don't know how... Everything is a metaphor, Dudley. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, you you want to know another thing I'm learning? Okay, so um, I was driving across the country with my son, and we started uh, paying attention to how GameStop stock was going up, and and it was all on Reddit, on this subgroup called Wall Street Bets. So... What's Wall Street Bets? I ask my son. He's a millennial. What's Reddit? I ask my son. He's a millennial. So I'm starting to learn all about this, and it's really quite interesting. One night, we, we just sat and read all of the comments. Uh, or not all, because there's thousands, <laughs> millions. We just read comments, though, for like an hour and a half, just rolling on the floor laughing with all of the, the comments about this stock and all of this going on in our culture this week and last week and you're learning uh, to speak millennial huh i'm trying to it's <laughs> important to me yeah that's good i mean i'm with you guys and you're all a generation behind me and or it's two. great thank you for inviting <laughs> how me. old are you again dudley just what's kidding. that just kidding thanks for inviting me into something like this it's fun what so, are you learning how are you guys learning all right so the first thing that i think about is um so earlier in 2020 i'd been a Accused of being too serious, um, and that I'm like so intentional about everything. So, um, a, a goal that I had is to begin to play video games, mm. and so I have been, I have been doing it because it doesn't serve a purpose at all, other than having fun. <laughs> and I'm someone who doesn't pursue fun, and so I'm I'm trying to engage something that is fun that doesn't have profitability. Um, I'm someone of profit. I pursue things that are going to have a payoff in the end. And playing these games has does not have the intrinsic value at all. And so I've been playing Tetris. I've been playing Splatoon. Um, Splatoon <laughs> has become something that I have been having fun. And the intrinsic value of... M- my soul is being, uh, I have fun and, um, it's great. And I'm seeing the that value, um, of having fun, um, and doing things 
that almost like go against the course that I thought I had been on. And uh, so that it's kind of embarrassing to say, but that's something I've been pursuing. So embarrassing. You own that. That's I, I am owning it. Yeah. I mean, have you, but have that you played has to Among be Us yet? Yeah, I've tried it. I hate it. No. I don't get it. Um, and it's, it's kind of like the game of survivor, but Quick. since the people who are playing it, they don't b- belong being on survivor. And they'd like be terrible 13. at it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> this isn't any fun. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. But that would be fun for you to be on survivor, right? KJ. Yeah. Dudley, I've applied 17 <laughs> times to be on Survivor. If someone, I don't know what um, someone is is playing this podcast and th- they're a part of the Survivor <laughs> hiring crew or they pick the people, I've applied 17 times and I would be the perfect candidate to be on Survivor. <laughs> do you do you get I any agree. feedback? Like, no, they, they just don't they just say decline. anything. <laughs> and so every time I try to change my audition, I mean, like I and I. Well, I you, what I'm, is the process for? Yeah, tell Apply us about for Survivor. Yeah, um, video and so they have a site, and uh, you got to f- fill out the application, and then there's a 60 second video that you have. For someone who has a speech impediment to do a 60 <laughs> second video, <laughs> and someone who is like poetic and uh, to to say, here's how I'm the perfect candidate in 60 seconds. Man, yeah. I just fail, oh. and um, so I'm just kind of hoping. I'm hoping someone out there. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But did you pray? <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Okay. Anyway, tell us the thing. Oh, you guys. Um, okay. Uh, on a serious, it's funny. I'm I am not a serious person at all. But on a serious note, I think I am learning. You know, we're talking. I was telling you guys. You know, you both seem very adventurous or courageous. You know, kind of thing. And I think I'm redefining what courage looks like for me. And I'm learning about like what what is courage for me. Um, and I, you know, obviously I'm still kind of wading through that. But uh, so that's definitely something I'm learning right now. Um, and on a on a more lighthearted note. Um, my family and I have started playing this game called Stuffed Fables. I don't know if you've heard of it no. at all. It is, it is like um, imagine reading. You know, back when you had to do your taxes, like handwriting, and and you had to read that. You know, that's if, how if I this, still do that. That okay? Well, is that has that changed? <laughs> the book you had to read in order to do your taxes like you know if if one is greater than you know this is how this game is it is the most complex complicated game and normally i would say i don't want to do this this looks like way too much um but my husband is very much encouraging me to no, let's do this together. Let's do it with the girls. And it is basically it's, it's a book that's about 75 plus pages. And each page is a new game board and has, as your story continues. So you can't even put the game away. It has to stay out because your cards, it's, it's just very complicated. So, I am learning how to play stuffed nice. fables and the YouTube tutorial is 25 minutes long to get you started. <laughs> oh, I'm goodness. not kidding. It was, I was like, this is, this is going to be 
horrible, but it's really been a lot of fun. So, Danny, you say you're not courageous, and look what you're doing. You're playing a very complicated game <laughs> with two young kids. I... Again, plus, I'm redefining what courage is. <laughs> plus, yes, and you, you told me that you were skiing over the weekend, I and would. that's courageous with two young kids. Yes. I mean, I think you should redefine courage and courage. That is, that is being another courageous. thing I'm learning right now is is how to ski again, and that has been that's been a lot of fun. Both my girls have surpassed me at this point, but, but you're on the mountain with them, I and am, that's cool. I am. It was. Good it was a moment years ago that I was watching Maylee come down with Paul and I kept saying, I'm not the mom in the pool, but I will be the mom on the mountain. So Aww, that's what, we've, that. that's that's what cool. we've done. <laughs> that, that's like quotable. I'm not the mom in the pool, like but I'm the mom the on pool, the mountain. I love the, it. Yeah. So, okay. I'll unpack that though. And Dudley already went there because that courage journey sounds fascinating. Like <sighs> seriously, what, how do you know, like if you were to experience this new courage that you're learning, or if you look back on an experience mm-hmm. and say, wow, I actually was courageous, kind of like what Delhi was reflecting mm-hmm. there. Like, I think, honestly, I'm taking the physicality out of it. Okay. And out of the definition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm taking that out and looking at it more towards how does my re- how is my reaction towards something more courageous than what I would normally do? Because it's easy for me to go somewhere in my emotions or in my thought process or but what would it look like for me to have courage in this moment and do the thing that is probably healthier for me rather than my default wow and again is that mostly a reflective thing where you look back and say i was or are you in the moment choosing (laughs) a courageous step rather than not i would say I haven't been approached with it yet. So, but this is where I'm wanting to go based on it, like just it, yeah. the, the past few weeks and just kind of self, you know, reflection and stuff. So. I feel tempted to surprise you by yes. creating <laughs> different try, situations. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, and then I'll say, all right, you can choose courage here or to be a coward. <laughs> and then you have to pick and then I'll have like a timer. And so it'll bring the timing society. Ooh. Yeah, it'd be really fun. Could you redefine it in terms of participation versus non-participation? Oh. You're particip- You're choosing to participate. Not that you're you're not choosing to compete, like to win, but you're just right. choosing to participate. Yeah. Like the mom on the mountain yeah. participating. You don't have to win any races. You don't have to ski mm-hmm. any bumps. But you're just participating. Mm-hmm. No, that's. That's definitely, I definitely have felt much more confident, um, yeah, up there. And, you know, I'm skiing with my husband, who's very skilled skier, and, you know, but he skis greens with me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Where does the impetus for courage come from? Why, why do you feel like you're drawn to that? Um, most of it is from a book that I'm reading, okay. and, and it's bringing up, nice. like, what... And so it's just got my brain going in that direction right now. So it's, I'm in it. So I'm not like, yeah, I learned this. I am learning, but. Nice. Yeah. Probably why I'm, I'm driving down that road a little bit is, um, I think for myself, I've, I've been learning again, this pursuit of ideals Mm -hmm. and being okay with not achieving them. But the drive of the ideal is the point of the ideal. 
Um, and, I, and so that's, if I were to answer my own question, mm -hmm. that's what was rolling around in my head. So you kind of threw out an ideal and that's why mm -hmm. I kind of went after it. But yeah, I just, there's just been a lot of life and learning for me to go after ideals again. And, and you know, I could juxtapose that with previous weeks or months and saying, and I probably lost the vision for ideals or got, you know, frustrated by the lack of experience of those ideals and realizing again that, at least for me, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of learning to be had in the pursuit of, of things that whether I actually achieve them or not is irrelevant. So, right. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, like, does that go into this idea of participation, especially in, like, in right. the idea of the, uh, the ideals? It's like um, being being able to be invited into the participation of hope again. Um, mm -hmm. It feels kind of like mm -hmm. 20, 20, like someone hit the pause button for hope or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> okay, don't hope table. for anything that good, <laughs> you know? And, and so it, it does feel like um, someone just said, okay, it's time for hope again. It's time to participate in hopeful things and courage and happiness and joy. And um, it's kind of like the sad things can be untrue. Like there can be something else than yeah, just sorrow. Or a phrase I remember from you a lot is this idea of showing up. That's yeah. the participation mm -hmm. concept, right? Like just yeah. this idea that, you know, looking back, did I show up on the mountain? Did I show up when I hunted? Did I show up? Uh, you know, in the moment, but yeah, yeah there's yeah. probably yeah. a lot of connection there. That's good. The two thoughts have been going through my mind as you've been talking and brought up this idea of hope. It's and what's the alternative to grow bitter, to grow hard-hearted, to yes. avoid, <laughs> to turn away. Um, that doesn't sound very uh, exciting or even very like reasonable to me. I would ret much rather show up. But it's easy. It it's, is it's easy. easy. It's the default. That's yeah. true. It's the default. So the other thought that keeps coming to my mind is Phil talked about ideals. It's like the older I get, the easier it is to jettison the ideals and just to settle for, well, again, the easy. And I don't like that. I don't want to just settle for things. Um, because, like, don't you think... Don't you think that, I mean, that like the heart of the gospel is the antithesis of the easy path. It, it, so, so it's right. always proclaiming there's hope. It yeah. doesn't have to be, be, be like this. Changes at hand. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's like this perpetual journey of hope and this perpetual journey towards something else that if that conversation of hope is gone, that then so is that 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 like the inspiration of gospel vocabulary and heartbeat how do you how do you hold the tension of authenticity there cuz the skeptic within me gets a here's sometimes the you know what's the other alternative choice and it's like well okay i just have to have a good attitude i just got to always think the positive i've always got to i can't actually embrace the the challenge or the struggle or the lack of hope because the culture constantly tells me just you know spin that around keep, or yeah. just have hope keep having hope and so in that again i agree with the the ideal of the gospel and where that is but how how on a practical level does that play out in an authentic way where yes. it's not just me playing a mind game telling myself to be hopeful yeah, I don't think like hope is 
happiness or hope is an attitude or but any emotion not even just hope or even not any ideal i think the courage to be authentic is participating in the truth of the gospel um that i'll say that again the the courage to be authentic is participating in the hope of the gospel um to be able to be honest in how you feel is saying i'm I am safe in who I am because of who I am, and there has to be something else so I don't have to pretend to be something else. Um, And so I think for someone who is going through like the pit of hell, for them to say, I am going through the pit of hell and I don't feel like there is any hope, that actually, that that, 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 that is participating in the authenticity of who they are and they actually are closer to hope than the person who who is like experiencing like all these fantastic things and saying I'm sad. Mm -hmm. Or uh, Mm -hmm. there's something about authenticity and telling the truth and I mean like man I just think there's something to that those people are so close to the gospel and they don't even know it I agree that's really valuable because sometimes we want to portray this uh, this air of perfection and that is the least that's just who you are you're just amazing yeah (laughs) perfect and if we're it's like that's so inauthentic and right. so unreal, and it's so far from the gospel because it's only by Christ that we can right. be made perfect. Yep. It's not in my own effort. It's not like just turning around 180 degrees and say, "Okay, I'm it's bad now, and I'm going to make it good. I'm going to be hopeless now. I'm going to be hopeful." We we don't just do it like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, not it, our it, own effort. They think about like the beginning of. The like the beginning of the journey is to say I am in total depravity, right? It's mm-hmm. the authenticity that brings you there that says I am like this seriously broken, and I think that continues to be true. Yeah. Um, all the spots on the journey, the uh, the honesty, the authenticity of who you actually are, the the things you're actually feeling, that those are the things that invite. Jesus to come and take a seat and talk. I mean, like, that's what he gets excited about. Well, I think it takes it away from it being a narrative and being more of an action. Like, for me, what I'm what I'm finding is it's not the, you know, self-talk and saying it over and over like what you're mm-hmm. saying, you know, it's have a different perspective or look, you know, that kind of thing. But it's it's taking the action of the sitting down and crying as opposed to changing my thoughts. You know, it's 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 taking it away from a narrative and making it into an action becomes yep. that's where the authenticity comes in. Oh, that's good. You know, again, thinking through the the journey I'm on in terms of ideals and the hopeful pursuit of ideals, but then the season where there wasn't a hopeful pursuit of ideals mm-hmm. and I'm not sure, again, and this is what I love about what you're saying, KJ, like the journey towards authenticity has probably brought me more to the hopeful place of ideals now than just, oh, I got to get my head around this differently so I can then be hopeful. Um, And that's, and I wouldn't trade that. Like I wouldn't trade the suffering part of of losing hope in the ideals 
for the hopeful part um, because they both play a huge role in, in where I'm at in this moment. So uh, that's hopeful. That's good. Yeah. I, I think like there, there is such value in pain, so much value in the suffering, so much value in the darkness, so much value in, in things that are dying and passing. That's half of the gospel. Um, that, that very often our gospel vocab Hilary only tells half of the story, um, but like darkness has to be there. Uh, the the brokenness has to be there. The pain, the suffering, those are the places that promises are pregnant. And like it's like mm. that's the the incubator. It's telling this like it's pointing towards hope. Um, suffering is an incredible gift. And the early church saw that. Yeah, they really did. There was, I mean, countless people in the early church who went through suffering. Um, I was just thinking, as you mentioned, suffering and like the martyrdom of Polycarp. I mean, this guy was incredible. Um, he's being taken from um, Asia Minor, which is Turkey today, to Rome where he's going to be um, martyred. And he's writing letters along the way saying, don't try to to uh, prevent me from being martyred. And then when he's in the Colosseum, he says, for 86 years, I have followed Jesus, and he's never failed me. Why would he fail me now? And he dies in that kind of a context, uh, an incredible suffering, but there's such deep passion in his hope um, of, of relationship with God and life eternal with Christ. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, you can just go through countless people uh, who had experiences like that um it's the yeah. bigger picture yeah. like the journey of christ doesn't promise that the suffering is going to go right. or vanish in fact it promises there will be a ton of suffering or exactly. your suffering is going to increase mm -hmm. however the thing that also is promised is that there will be this bigger perspective that right. there will be the joy in the suffering because you understand all the things um, mm -hmm. that, that the suffering is is like pregnant towards or being born in. And, yeah. 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 It gives birth indeed to a, a deep and abiding faith in God, which is what we want. So the, the commonality there, possibly, I'm trying to think if I actually believe what I'm about to say, but the, yeah. <laughs> the, great, great way that, to set it up. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> really, really going to hold true to this one, but it's change, right? So the premise has changed. Um, where there's there's change to be had and and being um in a, in a place where there's positive experiences or, or experiencing ideals whatever like that's going to change you in a certain way but also if you're being um in a tough situation and where there's anguish and heartache like there's change that is happening as well if you're suffering in that kind of context change is still the, the constant in both you can't have there's certain types of change that can't happen without suffering there's certain types of change that can't happen without positive and and maybe again you know the easier path or at least we resist some of the suffering especially in our culture but i hear that story and i'm like wow what inspires me in that is is the acceptance of that and almost that was the path right there was mm -hmm. this like i'm going to run towards suffering because there's a change i want to experience that can only happen that way um Whereas most of my questions are always answered, like what's the the least amount of suffering possible, so that I can that's, change. That's <laughs> our that's our culture. Um, 
And like a few weeks ago, there was this Romanian pastor who um, died of COVID. He was 75 years old. And I remember meeting him in 1987 under communism. And people were whispering to me, he suffered a lot for his faith. And that's why he was such a powerful preacher. He mm -hmm. suffered and he walked through all of that like crap with Christ. And he came out on the other side with this like this spirit of humility that just reached out and touched you and you just wanted to listen to him and be with him. And um, those like two years under communism for me, they just showed me the depth that people go through to follow Christ. I'm sorry it's like this. I don't just really moves me. But, you know, just some people that I got to know during that time who walked with Christ in deep suffering and challenge and loss, and yet they came out on the other side with amazing, like, faith in God. And people followed them and wanted to hear them and learn from them. Um, so different from the prosperity gospel that goes around the world today. So kind of like the obstacle is the path. Yeah, I like that. Hey, Good point. It's quotable. That's yeah. in one of Dudley's books. If you want one. I, I don't have one. <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah, it's that idea, I think, that that people don't grow by taking the easy path. It's the participating in courage because mm -hmm. the courage of going towards the obstacle, the courage going towards the things that's going to cause pain or suffering, it promises that changes at hand. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and like successful people, they press into the pain. They press into the suffering. Um, they participate in the journey of there's hope beyond the obstacle. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of uh, a phrase I used to use a, a long time ago um, was this idea of reasonable amounts of tension and that, you know, people would make fun of me all the time because the tension I was providing them, they would say is not reasonable. Um, but I believe that like, and I, I actually think, you know, our roles um, is uh, a lot of what we do hopefully is create reasonable amounts of tension because the desire is change, the desire is growth rather than just making it as easy as possible to follow Christ. Um, but maybe point towards an image of, of tension that is worth it um, for whatever world or, or place we're engaged in. But mm -hmm. um, wow, that's really good. What kind of bringing full circle a little bit in this conversation, but um, where we were talking before here, what, where are we at in this journey? I know in the background here, there's, there's this church um, rhythm calendar that we're being influenced by. And, and as somebody like myself who, you know, dabbles, um, I get Advent, I get Easter. Um, I don't get what happens between the two, uh, <laughs> which is exactly the Middle Earth we're living in. Right. So somebody help me understand that part of our story as we're telling you bet, stories. Phil. You bet. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. Jenny. <laughs> Take it away, Jenny. <laughs> I've got all the Clearly. answers. <laughs> I'll, I'll add a, a thought or two to, to that. Uh, living those years in Romania and becoming more and more familiar with the Eastern Orthodox Church, um, they, they followed that church calendar so carefully and clearly, and there was the, uh, the whole time of um, 
uh, Advent and leading up to the birth of Christ. And there was a, a fast period during that time in the Orthodox Church. And you were not supposed to get married during that time. And then from Lent all the way to, to that whole period to Easter, you're not supposed to get married during that time. There are no weddings in the Orthodox Church because this is a time of fasting. But it was between like Epiphany and uh, Lent, that was wide open for weddings and getting married, and, and then after uh, Pentecost, getting married again. And it's like, so it's a time of joy. We embrace the, the freedom and the joy that we have. Um, maybe that would. I love it. Fit. Yeah. All right. So if there are any couples that are out there who are <laughs> pondering, pondering it, this is the time. You better hurry because on February the 17th, that time comes to an end. <laughs> and Dudley will marry you in Romanian. Though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. Well, I think we have reached the end here as well. It's been great, as always, to, to be here. Dudley, thank you for being oh, here. Thank um, you. Again, I, there's so many me. parts of your story we haven't even touched, so hopefully we'll have another opportunity at some point to, to well, keep unpacking that. Could I just make a, one last little poem since I... Oh, no, Dudley. Yes. Love it. This love is it. it. We're so, done. <laughs> It kind of ties in with uh, this uh, toward the end of our conversation about suffering and faith, and 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 you mentioned Middle Earth, and of course oh. I'm thinking of uh, hobbits, the hobbits. hobbits, and you know Bilbo says it's a dangerous business, uh, you know, going out your door, and both of them on different times quoted this little poem that says uh, the road goes ever on and on down from the door where it began. Mm. Now far ahead the road is gone, and I must follow if I can, pursuing it with weary feet until it meets some larger way where many paths and errands meet and whither then, I cannot say. So, here's the beginning of faith for all of us. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody. Take care. <laughs>